0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our fall series, Created, Made for More, focusing our hearts toward biblical manhood and womanhood. God's beautiful design will lead us toward the flourishing He intends for us. We are wrapping up our series called Created, Made for More, and um, it's been 10 weeks, I can't believe. We are headed towards the holidays, and uh, I'm so glad you can join me for our second week of Tea church at Home out here on the deck. uh, You can probably hear the neighbors uh, sucking up their leaves and birds and leaves. It's so beautiful this time of year, and um, I'm just really excited to take just a brief moment. This is going to be a different week than most weeks in that. I just want to share my heart with you. I want to share my heart with you about um, why we did this series and some of my hopes for you and I, the men and women of Transformation Church, and what I hope ripples from this series. Um, and so what I'd like for you to do is turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to start in verse 15. And I just want us to kind of let the Word of God weigh on us. I want the Word of God to stir in us. And I don't want this Sunday to go by and nothing change in our lives. Um, We should, the weight of the Word of God should weigh so heavily on us that we have no um, recourse but to change and um, be more like Him. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, and, and I'm going to kind of list out here in a moment just six hopes for you and I, six hopes. Um, but I want to, before we get into that, look at Ephesians chapter 5, um, start here in verse 15 with me. Ephesians five fifteen. Pay careful attention, then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. We're going to stop right there for just a second. It really was beneficial for me to kind of almost read this text backwards. Uh, It kind of says right here at the end, the days are evil. I want you to not necessarily picture the walking dead. Um, I don't want you to picture zombie apocalypse. Everybody get out your crossbow. Um, But I think the point here is that the world, the culture, all of us today are being discipled by something. You and I, husband, wife, single man, single woman, teenager, kid, we're all being discipled by something. Um, And and I, I... I've got to tell you that when we look at culture, um, culture uh, will disciple us. We'll be discipled by what we claim is most ultimate in our lives. That might be our jobs. It might be our money. Our money will disciple us. Um, Friends who have no eternity in heart or mind, they just give you kind of surface level um, objective. Um, But you're being discipled by something. could be Fox News. could be CNN. Could by, it could be by Joe Biden or Donald Trump. Um, and honestly, some of you today are probably more discipled by this political atmosphere than you have allowed the word of God to disciple you. And your pastor's urging you today to allow God to disciple you because the days are evil. The world, the culture is going to tell you that you should affirm and give in to your knee jerks. And I'll tell you, Your knee jerks are never godly. If someone is mean to you, uh, our knee jerk is to be mean back. If someone um, does wrong to you, our knee jerk is they should have wrong done to them. And so our knee jerks are not godly. In culture and the world around us, with the days being evil, they're not some gentle stream leading us to the presence of God or leading us to live out the call of God as he's designed it. It's just not. And so um, the days are evil. So we need to pay careful attention to how you live. Some of your versions are going to say how you spend your time. Um, And kind of the best picture here is that uh, there's, according to uh, Ephesians here, There's a wise way and there's an unwise way to spend your time. There's a wise way and an unwise way to live your life. So there's two roads here. One is leading to life and to uh, joy and fullness of joy in Christ Jesus. And the other road is unwise. And Paul is kind of just exclaiming to us this morning, pay attention. Pay attention, men and women. Pay attention because you are being discipled by something. And if you're not paying attention, it is very, um, uh, it's a very good chance that you're being discipled by something that is not the word of God, that is not his spirit, that is not Christian community. You're being discipled by other things that are leading you away from God and not towards him. Let's look at 17. 17. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So let's not disconnect this from the rest of the verse. The days are evil, so pay attention. Um, so don't be foolish. It's, it's pointing to the Lord, pursuing the things of God, pursuing the will of the Lord is not foolish. I have never in my life seen a time like this where to live like the Lord would have us live and the way He's designed it, people will look at us and say, hey, this is foolish. This is foolish. But I'm here just to encourage you that when you pursue the things of the Lord, while you may feel foolish and people may look at you differently and weird, culture is never going to accept Christianity as mainstream. I know a lot of us want it to. um, It's foolish not to pursue a relationship with the Creator. It's, It's foolish. Let's look at the rest of this section here. 18. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Of Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Um, first of all, there is a way to not live recklessly, and that is by living by the Spirit of God. There are things that um we need to pay attention to, and we may be discipled by, um, but what we need to be led by and discipled by is the Spirit of God. Um it will keep us from living recklessly. Uh, and then it goes on to say, we should speak to one another in psalms and hymns uh, and, and singing. Is, this, am I, is the word telling us that life in Christ should look like a musical? Um, can we pray not? <laughs> can we pray? Uh, let, let's just pray right now. Can you pray with me, Father? Lord, I, let, let, I don't want this to be high school musical too in Christian form. Uh, You you know what I'm saying. Uh, He's not calling us necessarily to live life as a musical, although some of you today would probably be like, yes, and amen to that. What he is saying, though, is there should be a type of submitting to one another, a type of outdoing one another in love. Like, no, brother, you take this parking space right next to the door. I'm going to park way back at the end of the parking lot so you can have this right here the type of outdoing one another in love, submitting to one another out of living by the spirit of God. Um, Our life in Christ should lead us to a type of submission, a type of living where us submitting to one another will point others towards. They will look at us and say, Man, this is different. Why are they loving one another this way? Um, and it will point others towards Christ. I think this is very pertinent for us today because as I list out these six hopes, the only way we're going to be able to do this is by the Spirit of God. Men, women, Husbands, wives, singles, kids, hear me, parents. The only way we can achieve the things that we have been talking about the last 10 weeks is by the spirit of God. And even then it's going to be done imperfectly. But I do have some hopes for us. I do have some hopes for us. Hope number one. May we, May, may Transformation Church, the men and women of Transformation Church, keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We talked about this a little bit deeper last week, but one of my hopes coming out of, my very first hope coming out of this series is that with the weight of what God is calling us to as men and women, that we would keep our eyes on Jesus to help us get there. Um, Men, hear me. The requirement that God has of us will always be overwhelming. There's never going to be a day off from the call of God. Um, God has uh, called us to go to bed tired God has called us um, not to me time but sacrificial love that when I'm putting the kids down at night or I'm sitting at the dinner table with my family that I'm not checking out to go play video games but that I'm leaning in to love my wife and kids well single men single women hear me This is for you as well, single men. You are to work for the kingdom. And this requirement is always going to feel overwhelming. And the only way you're going to be able to achieve this is by keeping your eyes on Jesus. And understanding what he started in you, he will finish. Women, you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because if we're going to be successful at walking alongside men, at leading out in the ways God has called you to lead out, you're going to need to keep your eyes on Jesus. Because you will become weary. You will become weary. Um, Men are not the easiest to deal with. Especially in a culture like we have today, where um, there are all types of men not living up to the standard God sets for us. And so women, in patience and in love, we need to keep our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith in order to achieve um, this way that we can walk alongside each other in mutual submission in the roles God has called us to. Um, Number two. So number one, keep our eyes on Jesus. My second hope coming out of this series is this, that we would trust the Bible as our authority and every implication of it would lead us to life and joy. Um in the culture we live in, the communities we live in, the workplaces we go to on a daily basis, um, there are many things that are going to pull at you to disciple you and the very first thing they're going to get you to question is does <coughs> excuse me, does the Bible mean what it actually says it means? The very first thing, that Satan tempted Eve with in the garden was, did God really mean that? God's word to you is not true. The very first thing that happens in the life of a Christian that causes skepticism and doubt is when we start doubting his word. Um, and so you have to ask yourself the question, what bears the weight of our skepticism? What bears it? Is it our experience? Is it how we feel or is it the Word of God? Does how we feel and our experience bear the weight of our skepticism? or do our, does our skepticism immediately go to the Word of God? Um, we have to submit to the Word of God in a way and trust the Word of God in a way that knows that even though sometimes the working out of this thing is hard and uncomfortable, and wars against us, that it is after our ultimate joy and fulfillment, that it is after the glory of God. And when you just can't remake scripture when it makes you uncomfortable, people will look at some of the things we teach from scripture and they will say, Oh, that's absurd. Carl, you need to get with the times. Pastor, um, things have changed. Well, the word of God has not changed. It is. Just like God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word will never fail. Everything else will wither and die around it. Culture shifts every four years. But the word of God is true and faithful. And honestly, to change anything of Jesus is to be rid of all of him. To change one line of this, to to change Scripture and how we have historically an orthodox uh, interpretation of Scripture. When we go to change that and twist that to our experience and how we feel, we undermine its authority and we immediately give authority to our heart. And listen, you know what Scripture says about the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. And is desperately wicked. Your heart will lead you astray. The word of God will never. No matter how uncomfortable it makes us. Oh that we would trust his word. And trust his plan. And trust his design. Uh, We so want Christianity to be mainstream. That's why we celebrate guys like uh, the, the Duck Dynasty guys you know, we'll say, oh, they're Christian, you know, and they hunt, and they shoot, they wear camo and beards. And I can't grow on. So I'm a little bitter there. But I will say this, that we want Christianity to be mainstream, which is why we celebrate a lot of people who we should not celebrate in the name of, oh, they said Jesus a couple of times. Now, I'm not saying the Duck Dynasty folks are that way. Um, I've seen a stability in them that would say that, the fruit of God is active in their life. But we so want Christianity to be mainstream and for us to be normal that we're willing to accept some folks that under the banner of of Jesus shouldn't be anywhere near the the name of Christ. Let me give you just a, a spoiler alert here. Living like Christ has called us to live is never going to be popular and it's never going to be easy. And when you say, I trust the word of God as my authority and not how my experiences have shaped or my feelings have shaped, but how the word of God has shaped me through them. When you say things like that, it is not popular. And I can tell you 100% that when you preach the word of God, it will not make you friends I've got news for you, though, for those who are maybe disappointed over the election or some of you are celebrating the election. um, No matter what has happened in the timeline of history. Can I tell you the gospel and the church has always thrived in the margins? The gospel and the church has always thrived in the margins. Number three. That we would take at T Church, we would take biblical manhood seriously and encourage each other towards it. There is a taste in the mouth of the world around us that would say anything manhood related should be diminished and squashed. And we've just spent 10 weeks talking about the beauty of God's design for manhood and the beauty of God's design. For womanhood and how they're distinct and powerful and equal in dignity, value and worth. But distinct in calling. God has called us to enter the fray. Men and women. Men, hear me. We are to step in, not away And you're going to you may watch back or maybe you were here for those parts of the series where we talked about men that we should lead our homes and our communities and our churches by sacrificial love. Leading and setting spiritual tone and physical care for our families. And you might say, hey, I can't do that. I'm not capable. Hear me. None of us are capable. Of this on our own. Um, But you're going to execute it and you're going to execute it imperfectly. And let me tell you something today, that in your obedience, God will honor it. God will honor your imperfect obedience. When you sit down for family devotion and you're trying to be creative and then you end up having to spank one of the kids because they're losing their mind or... (coughs) Uh, you catch your wife or or teenager on the phone while you're trying to dive into scripture, God's gonna honor it. God's gonna honor you stepping into the fray. When you're trying to encourage your wife, man, and she takes it the wrong way and gets upset with you, hey, look, God's gonna honor it. God's going to honor your stabs at trying to be obedient to his call. When you try and pray with your wife, and it's awkward and uncomfortable, and you just don't know what to pray or what to say. Hey, listen, God's going to honor it. Step in, step in. Pay attention, as Ephesians five say. Pay attention. Don't allow your family to be discipled elsewhere. Have them discipled at their table, in the living room. Let them see it lived out in you. Because even when you're imperfect. And you recognize your imperfection. And you own it and you say, hey, dad needs Jesus too. Forgive me. Man, that speaks more volumes of Christ than any of your success ever would have. So stop sitting in your bathtub of self-pity and get up. Get up. Let us celebrate manhood, not despise it. My fourth hope would be similar that we would take biblical womanhood seriously and encourage each other towards it. That we would be creating lanes for our women to lead and thrive and prophesy and, and teach and everything that God has gifted them to do. Single ladies, that you wouldn't wait on a man to jump into the great adventure of the gospel that God is calling you to. That we. That we would take this word submission. And not. um, And not. I don't know. Let's redeem the word submission. And not make it something that is suppressive. But something that is powerful. And beautiful. And I'll if i'm if i'm just being transparent with you as i was writing the woman's purpose series or message and was trying to talk about how god has elevated the woman to this role of leading out in in helpership and helpmate coming alongside the man to lead out for the flourishing of mankind what really dug at my heart and i was like lord how How do I communicate the beauty of your design when most of the women that I'm going to preach this to are going to say, I've never seen a man do that. I've never seen a guy do that. Why, how can I submit to that? How can I come alongside that? How, how can I, (laughs) have you ever tried to help a moron? You now listen, if you're sitting at home next to your husband, please don't elbow him. Um, but have you ever tried just to help an idiot? Um, Somebody who was just completely oblivious? Let me tell you something. That's exhausting. And men, hear me. This isn't just a stab at you. This isn't a stab at you. This is just life. Coming alongside men is not an easy call. And that's why he designed woman to come alongside. Because she's the only one that could. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Hope number five. That we would at T-Church be deeply and visibly for each other. That we would be deeply and visibly for each other. I uh, Church can very easily become a revolving door. Um, especially for those who are kind of trying to stay behind the scenes. Um, But I don't want those who attend and get involved to think, what if, let me just paint a picture. What if when people came to T-Church, they saw us lifting each other up constantly? I mean, almost obnoxiously, which is what our teams do. You see our greeting teams on Sunday. They get there early. They pray together. Um, We've got people that serve in the parking lot, sometimes in the rain. We've got the music teams that show up a couple nights during the week and, and they practice and they practice and practice. Why? Most of them volunteer to serve you. What if we were in the foyer and as people came in, they saw brothers and sisters of the faith coming up to one another and say, hey, sister, listen, I've seen how God is using you. I just want to encourage you and tell you I see it and I see what God is doing in your life. What if we were that type of people? And let me tell you, when you drop your kids off and teach church kids, we don't run a babysitting service. We are training up. And not just teaching moralistic deism like, you know, God hates liars and God hates thieves. But we're saying that God sees you, little one. God knows what you're walking through and you can trust him. He's a God that doesn't lie. You can go to the Lord and he will be a shelter for you. We're teaching our kids that. It isn't some mamby-pamby babysitting service we are leading our little brothers and sisters so that hopefully and prayerfully they would never know a day where they didn't know the Lord. What if we were so deeply and visibly for each other? And look, John 13, 35 says it best. Let me read this to you. John 13, 35 says this. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Hear me, saints. Hear me, um, people who have never been to church, if you have been to church and felt shunned and like they didn't want you there because of anything that you were dealing with or because of something you were walking through or a way you were living, let me tell you, that is not how people know that you're of Christ. When you walk into a place of worship, a place where people are worshiping the Lord, there should be a love that is distinctive, where we are deeply and visibly for each other. And then lastly, That our relationships, husband, wife, men, and women, would be a beacon of hope to a lost and broken world. That we would push back against this absurdity of building a veneer veneer that life is perfect and nothing's wrong. That we would push back against this tide that says, I need to pretend to be more than I really am that in our brokenness and Christ making us strong um, and Christ becoming strong in our brokenness, in our reliance on the design of Christ, in our reliance on his word, in our reliance on Christian community, that we would point people to a welcoming place that T-Church would be a place where people would come broken and rejected and they would find hope and love and renewal and restoration because you found it there. You found it in Christ and they need it. Oh, I'm about to jump out of this this, uh, deck chair. What if we were men that left ungodly uh, conversations at work? What if we were husbands That uh, instead of constantly um, speaking ill of our wives, that we would say, man, I love and adore my wife. What if we were women who, instead of bashing their husbands, were lifting up and encouraging their husbands in the things of the Lord? So when their friends were bashing their husbands, (coughs) women would step in and say, hey, my husband is trying his best to lead us towards Christ. What if we were so faithful that we stuck to holiness and took it seriously. Church, hear me today. Let's not settle. What God has called us to, He will equip us through His Spirit to achieve. Don't give up because of imperfect execution. Step in, men. Step in. Women, and let us be the church where people flock to in their brokenness and find healing in Christ. They find redemption. That is your pastor's prayer. Those are my hopes. And may God, through His Holy Spirit, equip us to do those things.